is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Did you know that there are about 450,000 churches in America? There's about 650,000 preachers in America. And you know, it's, it's, it's troubling to me as a minister, I never could wrap my mind around why any man would want to get into the ministry. Because I never did. I, I never did desire that. I never wanted to be a preacher. I don't have a lot of respect for preachers. And I, in fact, I just visited a man, uh, and, and it was funny because he said, you know, I don't like preachers. This guy told me, he said, I don't like preachers. And I said, you know, I don't either. I don't like preachers either. I really don't. But as I look at the Bible example, most of the prophets of old, the men that God used, they were used against their will. You have to wrap your mind around this. They were, Jonah ran from the presence of God. You know, they were used against their will. Elijah, probably another good example of that. They were meant, and, and, and you don't see that today. You know, if you want to preach, and I've met a lot of men that wanted to preach. They wanted to get behind the pulpit and, and preach. I've met a lot of people like that. If you want to preach, if you feel qualified to preach, that is basically ample proof of why you should not be in the ministry. If you feel like you're qualified and you feel like, you know, I'm a man of God and I got something to say, that is ample proof that you should not even be in the ministry. You know, today we have something called occupational ministry. It's, uh, you know, it's an easy job. It's not very hard and, and people love to get into that. I read the story just recently about, um, you know, uh, voices of unbelief behind pulpits where all kinds of men are getting into, into the, to the ministry and they're, they're atheists. They don't even believe in God and yet They've chosen the ministry because they like to sing. They like to get up behind the pulpit and speak. They like the recognition they get, but they don't even believe in God. Yeah. Voices of unbelief behind the pulpits. Look it up. Tyler, Texas newspaper. You can find it on the uh, internet. Voices of unbelief behind pulpits. Amazing article to read. Now, when I think of the ministry, I think of men begging for money. I think, uh, often I think it's sort of comical, you know, sort of like a comedy club almost that you would go to when I see some of the foolish behavior uh, on TV. Uh, I think of people knocking someone down, you know, like maybe the Benny Hens or whatever. You know, that's, that's how you heal someone. You just knock them down. Uh, never made any sense whatsoever. Recently, I was listening to the radio, and I, I come across some preaching. I thought, well, I'm going to try to discipline myself to listen to this. And this guy was, he, I don't know what he was talking about, but he said, do you want to hear me talk like Donald Duck? And he started talking like Donald Duck. And I just, I just cut my radio off, and I said, I can't take it. Preaching has ceased to be relevant. It's not relevant. Anymore. Why does it even exist anymore? preaching that is. Why? Is it, is it that people are that gullible? 
Well, in a way, I think the answer may be yes. People are just that deceived and gullible. You know, I think I was looking on Facebook. I noticed Joe Olstein has been taking a lot of heat lately. And I don't know why people are so upset at Joe Olstein. And they say, well, he lives in a million-dollar home. Look, if the people want to give him millions of dollars, that's their prerogative. I mean, why would you blame him if people want to give him millions of dollars? Nothing wrong with that. I didn't know this, but Joe Olstein does not take a salary. He gets paid by the, his books that he sells. Now, I want to tell you something about Joe Olstein. I think he is a great Bible motivational speaker. Listen closely to what I just said. I didn't say what you think I just said. I think he is a great Bible motivational speaker. I would compare him to Zig Ziglar. I would compare him to any uh, Tony Robbins, uh, any motivational speaker out there. But he uses the Bible to motivate people. He tells little stories and ties the Bible in. He's a great motivational speaker. But he has admitted, Joel Osteen has admitted that he doesn't feel that God has called him to convict of sin, to show people their sin, to talk about the subject of sin, which disqualifies him as a minister of Jesus Christ. And this is what people don't get. Once you say, well, I can't go down that road of conviction of sin and showing people their sin, you are disqualified as a minister of Jesus Christ. You're not a minister of the gospel. And I just think if, because as a minister of the gospel, you've got to tell people they're wrong. Yeah, you've got to tell people they're wrong. So I just think people are getting way up too upset about Joel Olstein if, if they simply realize he's not a minister of the gospel. He's a great motivational speaker. Once you know what he is, you wouldn't get upset. Now, pity the poor fools who think Joel Olstein is a gospel of Jesus, is, is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're the ones that are really living in deception right there, who actually think he is. You know, yeah. Okay, I want to look at the ministry of Jesus Christ and compare it to preachers today. And what we're going to find out is that there are no similarities, okay? Luke 2 and verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now this sounds pretty good. Okay, I got favor with God, I got favor with man. This verse says he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man until, listen closely, until he began his ministry. Once he began his ministry, he lasted three and a half years and he was killed. So yes, Jesus grew and sat in favor with God and man until he began his ministry. Once he began his ministry, he lasted three and a half years. So if you want to be in favor with God and man, don't get into the ministry, is what I'm saying. You can't, it's not going to work for you, is what I'm saying. John 8 and verse 40, Jesus said this, But now you seek to kill me, a man... Now why did, why did they want to... Why did the religious Pharisees of his day want to kill Jesus? Or he, he answers the question. You seek to kill me... A man that has told you the truth. That's the reason they wanted to kill him. Because he spoke the truth. He told them the truth. Now when you tell people the truth, you have to do this right here. You have to tell people you're wrong. That's what you got to tell people when you speak the truth. You got to say your religion, the way you are worshiping God, you are wrong. That's what you got to do when you speak the truth. 
Someone said, if you speak the truth, leave town quickly. Oh, that's good advice. If you speak the truth, leave town quickly. Abraham Lincoln said this, silence makes cowards out of the best of men. Listen, you're better off to stay quiet and to be a coward than to ever get into the ministry. Because once you get into the ministry, you can't be quiet and you can't be a coward. That's my point. Matthew 4 and verse 17. Let's notice the, notice the effect of Jesus' ministry here, what his ministry was all about. From that time, Jesus began to preach to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is uh, at hand. Okay, what was Jesus' ministry about? It was about his message was repent. Repent of what? Sin. What is sin? Do you know? Chances are you don't. Sin is, 1 John 3, 4, the breaking of God's law, the Ten Commandments. That's what sin, if you are breaking the Ten Commandments, you are choosing to sin. Okay. And you have a choice. Don't tell me you can't choose, you, you don't have a choice. That's a bunch of religious hogwash to tell me, oh, I don't have a choice, I can't help it, you know. No, you have a choice to choose to sin or not to sin. Now, this little picture here explains how we live our lives. It's uh, a tightrope, a man walking a tightrope between favor with man and favor with God. You know, that's, and I tell you, walking that tightrope will wear you out mentally, physically. You'll just wear yourself, you'll emotionally be a, a mess, a wreck, because you're trying to walk the tightrope between favor with God and favor with man. And it doesn't work. Now, because most people are trying desperately to walk this tightrope, favor with man, favor with, with God, this is what Jesus says about those people. Let's notice it, John 2 and verse 23. Now, when he was at Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast days, hey, what's that? Feast days, hmm, Passover, feast days. Nothing about Christmas, Easter, Halloween, or April, April Fool's Day. But in the feast days, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify a man, for he knew what was in man. Now, what did Jesus know about mankind? Well, let's go back to this tightrope between favor with, my, with, with man and favor with God. This is what Jesus knew. He knew what was in man. What is in man? Pretty much nothing more than a coward. That's what's in man. Man's not going to stand up for God. You know, I mean, don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. You will always fall back on favor with man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Silence makes cowards out of the best of men. Let me tell you, you're better off to stay quiet and be a coward than to ever get into the ministry. You know, Jesus, what am, what am I saying? I'm saying Jesus' ministry was not something to be desired. And, I, and again, I, I've met all kinds of people who want to get into the ministry. I tell you, if I meet one more, more man that wants to get into the ministry, I'm going to vomit all over the place. I'm going to puke. I mean, I just, I don't know. Why. It's like, why? Why do you, why does your pea brain mind think you want to get into the ministry? John 6 and verse 66. Notice the results here of Jesus' ministry. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more 
with him. You know, Jesus had told them, look, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not going to have any part with me. And many of the disciples said, that's it, we're out of here. And they left him. They forsook him. Mark 14 and verse 50. And they all forsook him and fled. This is right before his crucifixion. Yeah, they left him. Ministry is about being a long wolf. Okay? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Ministry is about you being a long wolf. You don't have much support. And it gets lonely out there. You better, better believe it. Jesus preached repentance. Today's churches do not. Notice Mark 6 and verse 17. Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother's Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have your brother's wife. Man, this guy had the gonads that this guy had was incredible here. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Matthew 10 and verse 22, it says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. How could you be hated? How could you, with your pablum religion, be hated? Well, listen, when your life, your message condemns the life that others are living, that's how you can be hated. There is corruption in the highest places, and Christians are to speak out against it. How can you do that? Well, write a letter to the newspaper. Do something to speak out against the evils of our society. The churches have been too long examining their own navel. It's time to speak the truth. It's time to speak the truth about crime, about abortion, about homosexuality, about murder, about theft, about morals, about value-free sex education, about, uh, um, you know, just a lot of areas we can speak the truth about. It's time for the church to come out of the closet. Second point, Jesus was considered a political threat. Yes, a political threat. Now we're looking at what, what was Jesus' ministry like? How did he get, what did he get involved in? We, we see that he came preaching repentance. We also are going to see here that Jesus was considered a political threat. We're looking at Jesus' ministry and we're comparing it to preachers today. And there is no similarities whatsoever. Jesus was considered a political threat. Let's notice it. John 11, verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we do? This man does many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. Now this little statement here, if we leave him alone, the Romans shall come and take away our place and our nation. This is purely political. It really is. It's politics going on right here. You might say that Jesus dove right into politics when you think about it. I mean, notice this, Matthew 10 and verse 17. But beware of men, for they shall deliver you up to the council, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. I mean, the question is, how could you live your Christian life and not be noticed? How? Can you answer that question? How, why do you think that you can just go to church and live your Christian life and never be noticed? When this verse says, beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the council and they will scourge you in their synagogues. 
Matthew 10 and verse 18. And you shall be brought before who? Governors and kings for my sake and for a testimony against them and to the Gentiles. Listen, you don't get, this says you're going to be brought before kings and governors. You don't get into trouble with governments unless you trouble governments or the powers that be. Yeah, Jesus was a political threat. Third one, Jesus was a threat to the religious establishment of his day. He was a thorn in the flesh towards the religious establishment of his day. I mean, he did that like he deliberately healed on the Sabbath day because it was against their rules of their oral law or oral tradition. It was nothing wrong with healing on the Sabbath day. There was no command that said you cannot heal on the Sabbath day, but it went against their oral traditions of the Pharisees and they hated him for it because he healed a man on the Sabbath day. People would say, well, Master, if we would see a sign, and Jesus said, no sign shall be given to you except the sign of Jonah. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He's telling them, you are, you people are an evil and adulterous generation. He challenged them about their interpretation of the law. He challenged them about their traditions. Matthew 15 and verse 8 says, These people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Yeah, Jesus was a thorn in the flesh towards the religious establishment of his day. When asked about the resurrection, he said, You don't know the scripture or the power of God. In other words, you're ignorant. You don't know. You're just ignorant. Matthew 23 and verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. Woe unto you, blind guides, you fools and blind. Verse 27. You are like whitewashed tombs which look fine on the outside, but are full of bones and decaying corpses on the inside. You serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. You're wrong. Jesus was a threat to the religious establishment of his day. And that's why he was killed, don't you know? It wasn't the common people that killed Jesus. It was the religious people that killed Jesus. It was the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They're, I mean, they, they, it was religious people that, killed, that hated Jesus. Because he challenged their belief systems, you see. Yeah, he challenged their belief systems. He told them, you're wrong. You see, favor with God or favor with man. And I, I tell you, there's another area here. Favor with your church or favor with God. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's the one and the same thing right there. You know, I mean, in church, I've got to have favor with God. No, not so. You've got to prove. You've got to test the spirits. You've got to ask questions whether or not your church is in good favor with God or not. And most of them are not. Most of them are not. And you've got to make a stand. You've got to quit walking the tightrope between the two. You've got to make, go full overboard to favor with God. I want to challenge you to be promoters of God's truth who are not so concerned about favor with man. 
I mean, how long are we going to walk this tightrope between the two? How long are we going to walk this? You know, I don't want to upset nobody. I don't want to upset my family. I don't want to upset people. We stay quiet. We, we hold our tongue when we know we should have spoken up, when we know we should have stood, made a stand for God. Are we nothing more than cowards when it comes to God's truth? Are we just a bunch of cowards that will not speak the truth? Now, I know. I mean, we, we, well, I don't want to upset people, and I don't want to hurt people's feelings and, and all that. And, and there's a, well, I can't really say there's a tactful way to do it, but I'm not sure. I mean, look at Jesus' statements. You generation of vipers, you know, you're like dead corpses. How tactful was that? The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom before you people. How tactful was that? How loving. Oh, Jesus just loves everybody. How, you know, I mean, a lot of what you're being taught in church is a bunch of hogwash. It's, it's a bunch of untruths about how Jesus really behaved and responded. Now, Romans 12 and verse 18 says this. It says, if it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I want to tell you something. As this society degenerates more and more, it's going to become impossible for you to live at peace with mankind. It really is. You know, you're going to find it's going to get harder and harder and harder for you to live at peace. Maybe even with your own family. I mean, I don't know, but I'm just saying that we got to wake up and smell the roses and realize what's coming down the pike. That it's going to, you know, yeah, if it's possible, live at peace with all men. But there's coming a time, there is coming a time when it's not going to be possible to live at peace with other human beings. You're going to have to make a stand. You're going to have to quit walking the tightrope. Tight and you're going to have to make a stand for God. It's going to have to be favor with God. And Jesus, Luke 2 and verse 52, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man until, until he began his ministry. Once he began his ministry, three and a half years, and he was hanging on a cross, crucified, killed, because he spoke the truth. If you speak the truth, leave town quickly. Silence makes cowards out of the best of men. There are 650,000 preachers in America. And I'm telling you, we don't need more preachers. We don't need one more preacher coming into the seminary. Or should I say cemetery, whatever. You know, being ordained as a minister and a man of God, and I'm going to preach a bunch of motivational stuff, a bunch of pablum that don't mount to a hill of beans. Anyway, we don't need more preachers. We need men and women who will speak the truth is what we need. Now, I don't normally val uh, um, title a message, but today's message is entitled The Validation of a Ministry. The Validation of a Ministry. The way God validates a ministry is whether or not you are willing to speak the truth. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, most preachers and churches don't, their ministry has never been validated. Your ministry has never been validated because you're not willing to speak the truth. You give people what they want to hear. 
You allow people to live in their echo chambers, just, 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 you know, thinking all along, I have arrived, I'm in good, God's good graces, and I'm just, I'm okay, and we're all okay, and we're all heaven bound, and there's not a thing we gotta worry about. You know, yeah. And yet your ministry has never been validated. The way God validates a ministry is he looks at your ministry, and he looks at you and he says, is this man willing to speak the truth? And if you're not willing to speak the truth, your ministry has never been validated in the eyes of God. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been sponsored by your local Church of God Rocky Mount. We invite you to fellowship with us every Saturday afternoon at 1.30. Our address is Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, you can contact us by email at minister at cogrm.com. That's minister at cogrm.com. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.